This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. All right, today we have a special guest, Ray Schaefer from Porsche Cars North America. Ray, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Greg. How are you? Doing great, great. Well, today is all about cars, and if you want to hear Ray's career journey, be sure to listen to his interview on Learn From Others, which will be posted in a few weeks. So, Ray, if you could, could you just tell us a little bit about what you do for Porsche North America? Well, Greg, I am the market development manager for the Porsche Classic division here at PCNA, and I also curate the Heritage Gallery inside the Experience Center Atlanta, which happens to be the headquarters for Porsche here in America. Now, where did this passion for Porsches come from? You know, I, I can still remember when I was riding my bike through the neighborhood, um, my, my dad always used to fix up Volkswagen Beetles and Rabbits in our garage over the winter, and that would be the car that we'd drive through the spring and summer. And so one summer, I was riding my bike through the neighborhood, and the neighbor had his door open, and I looked into the garage, and I could see this profile of what should have been a Volkswagen Beetle, but it, it, there was something about it. It was too low. It was too wide. <laughs> and as I, as I got closer on my bike, I made out what I now know is a 356, and he, was, he took me and showed me the car, and that was the first time I ever saw one. And it, pretty much from that point forward, there's something about that profile that just stuck with me. And so the love for Porsche really started with that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, when racing catches your eye, Porsche is just such a successful mark in, uh, in sports car racing. How could, you, how could you miss it? And so I learned a lot about, um, learned a lot about the accomplishments of the 911, the 917s, of course, and then in my era growing up in the 80s, the 962, you just couldn't deny how dominant that car was. Now, we talked about this a little bit earlier on the other podcast, but you're, you live with cars, you work with cars, you're around all sorts of amazing cars all day long. Which one really stands out to you? Like, what's your dream Porsche? Dream Porsche, yes. Uh, well, it has to be that 962. I mean, that is the car, uh, the first time they've done a sports racing car for endurance that had to be fuel efficient, had, so the aerodynamics were even more important than before. And so the use of a ground effects tunnel, the first time they ever did that on a sports car, they tried that with a 956 and 962 series of cars. And it was powered here in the United States by the flat six single turbo engine, very similar to the 911 turbo that you could buy on the street. And so that car really made this great connection for me between the the road car and the racing car. But that racing car, the 962 body, so low and, and wide, it was um, obviously very exotic. And when you see it painted up in either Coca-Cola livery or the Lowen Brown 962 or the BF Goodrich or all these great liveries of the period, uh, it was so fun to watch those and the IMSA races of the day. Do you have any Porsches in your garage at this time? I do. I currently have a 964 Turbo. That, uh, it's 1992. It was the last year they did the mm. single turbo, the original engine, 3.3 liter like that in the 964 body. And uh, that car replaced a 993 that I had sold that I regret letting go. Uh, I should have never sold it. And so I went out to look for another one and had the opportunity to buy this um, Brumo-sourced 964 turbo. Uh, and I have to know its owner very well. And so that was important to me. Now, I believe I ran across someone who sold your 993 or ran across it. I was at a little shop up in Alpharetta, Georgia mm-hmm. called Muscle Car Jr. Right. And he mentioned, I think it was your car. Did you That's have right. did that pass through his shop? It did. It did. I saw it. 
I saw it not too long ago. Uh, and if, if I were in a position to have more than one, that would probably be the one I'd buy back because that was also a Brumos car. I was the second owner of that car. And uh, when I sold the car, it had 82,000 miles on it, I think. But it was so well cared for it, it looked like it had 8,000 miles on it. It was just a great example of a Brumos 993 classic Porsche. Wonderful car. Now, what is, like, you do so many cool things with your day job. What's the favorite aspect of your job at Porsche North America? Well, you know, the, the people that I get to work with here and, and get to get to know, for me, that is, I think, is the favorite part. The, sure, the cars are cool. And we get to do we get to do a lot of neat things with them, events we take them on. But when I when I think back on uh, you take Rensport for example, a lot of people uh, last year about eighty two thousand people went to Rensport out in Laguna Seca and celebrated for four days everything around Porsche and Porsche racing. But when I think of, of how that got started, Brian Redman and Bob Carlson, Bob Carlson, the PR director inside PCNA at the time, were basically just talking about the the celebration of of these cars and how it brings people together and decided to do a Ren Sport like that and made it happen. You know, I, I was fortunate to know Bob Carlson and I know Brian Redman. Amazing people, just wonderful people. And those are just two people. Uh, unfortunately, we lost Bob several years ago. Brian still with us and as fun as ever. In fact, he's the Grand Marshal for the uh, Chattanooga Motor Car Festival I mentioned that's coming up here soon. Just wonderful people. So I think that's my favorite part is getting to work with some of the names you might recognize and then the names you probably don't recognize, but just do incredible work. Yeah, that's really, really cool. A lot of history there in dealing with those folks that you've experienced, you know, I'm sure as you grew up reading about cars, racing, and everything else. So that must be really cool. Yeah, it was. I actually was fortunate to um, to inherit a collection of road and track magazines when I was a teenager. And so instead of going outside and playing sports, I sat inside and read my car magazines <laughs> over and over and over again. And I, I seem to remember more of these details of people's names and what they did. And so when I got to a place like Brumos, and one of them would walk in the door because, because of either Hurley or Hurley Haywood or Bob Snodgrass being there, um, I would recognize who they were and would be able to engage in the conversation. And that's just a, a result of that education through the pages of Road & Track magazine that uh, really paid off. Wow, that's really cool. Now, as your current job at Porsche's North America, you probably are exposed to some pretty cool stories of owners who have yeah. had a 356 forever. Is there any mm-hmm. one in particular that sticks out that you could share with us? We have uh, all types of work that comes through. And, and, you know, it's interesting when you look at what it takes to properly to a factory level, repair some of the cars that come in here. And the customer will, might look at look at what the insurance company is willing to do, let's say, on a, on a fire damage where the insurance company wants to total the car out. But because the car is part of the family and has been since it was new, there's an emotional attachment there that people are willing to, to step up and, and take care of what the insurance company may not. And that, that's one particular case. Um, another example that, um, for me, it really is special is a, a new car customer that I got to meet through our new vehicle delivery program. We were having lunch one day talking about his dream car, his collection. I was asking him questions over lunch, just like you're, we're talking now. And the car that he doesn't have in his collection was the Carrera GT. He wanted that as his, his ultimate car. And he's got some wonderful cars in his collection. And so as we were talking, the Carrera GT just became the responsibility of Porsche Classic. And so it, it kind of dawned on me and, and that, on both of us as we talked it through. It's like, well, what if you could order a Carrera GT, and what would you do? And he, he pretty much laid out what he thought the car would look like from a color and trim standpoint. And I said, well, what if we, why don't we get you a Carrera GT? And it, it seems too new to restore, but let's call it recommissioning, and we'll, we'll make it new again, zero miles, and have it look just like you would have wanted it to leave the factory. And so 
we did that. That became one of our projects, and it's actually a service offering that we have at Porsche Classic now to do that for a select number of customers. Obviously, there's not a lot of Carrera GTs out there to, for that, uh, and not everybody may want to redo a car that way, but for the ones that, that do, we now do that. And so for me, that's, I think that's a favorite story uh, from a Porsche owner because to see that passion come through in such a way that uh, created created an offering that otherwise didn't exist. That was a lot of fun. Now, is that the dark green one? Yes, that's oak green metallic Carrera GT, the premier commission Carrera GT that we've done, yes. Yes, that thing is gorgeous. I did read the article about that. So uh, if you would, could you talk a little bit about how, you, you mentioned that that's part of your portfolio now, or I, I don't know how you, exactly you phrase it. When How does Porsche North America say, hey, here's you can work on these cars or this you know, the 959 yeah. or the Porsche Carrera GT, how is that determined? Well, we define a Porsche Classic vehicle. The vehicle has to be out of series production 10 years since the last one was produced. So you mentioned the Carrera GT. Uh, that car was produced from 2003 till 2006. So in 2016, what happens is the vehicle then becomes the responsibility from the production. It gets handed over to Porsche Classic. And what that means is during the prior 10 years, the production folks are still producing the replacement parts. They're in communication with the dealers about any warranty work, any um, supersession of parts, anything that's needed to keep the customer happily driving that car and on the road. And so at the, at the end of 10 years, then it comes to Porsche Classic. In other manufacturers, the responsibility ends, and there's no requirement by law to continue to make parts for that. Uh, they can stop. And a lot of times the aftermarket will pick up and fill in for that, and that's why you see you see a lot of um, aftermarket companies out there that do that. Because and it's also one of the reasons why you don't see many. Uh, you know, when was the last time you saw a nice Chevy celebrity on the road? You know, they just they've <laughs> kind of just all gone away because eventually the you know a lot of the replacement parts and the support for that goes away. Yep. In the case of Porsche, though, because of the passion around the cars, they've never really stopped making parts. We still make parts for cars that are 60 years old, and every year we've got about 52,000 now that are in the catalog of unique individual parts for these cars. Every year we add about two to 300 more parts to keep those cars going on the road, keep the catalog growing, because we, we understand we don't have every single thing right this moment, but the effort is there to continue to fill that in and grow that so that people can keep these cars on the road, whether we do it with the Porsche Classic factory restoration program, whether they do it through their Porsche Classic partner authorized dealership, or their favorite local independent shop, or whether they do it at home themselves, like you were talking about earlier, working on the car yourself, getting in there with the wrenches. We meant, want to make sure that the genuine parts that fit that car, make it work the way it's designed to run, are available and easily accessible for everyone. Now, that's great. Yeah, especially for the guy wrenching on his own Porsche in his garage, that's for mm -hmm. sure. So. That's right. Really cool. Well, are there any particular market trends you're seeing in the Porsche world? You know, it's interesting. There have been uh, some results that have come through some of these sales where a car that's been restored sells for a, about the same as one that was just found in a barn that's a complete mm -hmm. numbers matching car, and it's been sitting there for 30 years. And it's just it's interesting, I think, knowing what it costs to restore a car and to make it run and work the way the engineers intended. Uh, I don't know if that's a if that's a lasting trend. I guess it's the excitement around the idea that it's it's only new once. I think that's probably what's driven a lot of that. But um, I I tend to fall in the category of the cars for the future generations. The cars need to be the way that the engineers intended, and 
you know, I've had the benefit of driving cars that are freshly restored against cars that are aged. And my own personal car was one of those cars that's just naturally aged. It's from 1992. It has about 64,000 miles on it. It's been main, nicely maintained, but it ages. And when you drive that car against a freshly restored car, there's a massive difference in the way the car performs and reacts and everything. And if you think about it, if we never restored that car, if we just continue to maintain it, would someone who's just being born in 2019, by the time comes where they can finally drive the car, will they know what Porsche intended that car to be like if we never restored right. it? Fortunately, I think the, world, the Porsche world is big enough that there's probably room for both. I would agree. That's a really good point because the whole point about Porsche is the driving feel, the dynamic, right. uh, you know, getting around right. the corners quickly and, you know, having that planted feeling. And my 911 is a 996 and it's the first one that I've really spent any amount of time in. And I, I love it. It's so Great much fun to drive and to yeah. really push. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, you know, it's a 60,000 mile car. If it was a 15,000 mile car, it'd probably feel a lot different. And if it's a 120,000 mile car, I'm sure it'll feel a lot different. So uh, that's a really good point. It is. It is. And I joke about it too. I often say, I've, and I've said it before, uh, is that, you know, look at look in the mirror every day and you look, you look pretty good. But look at a picture of yourself from 20 years ago or 30 years ago and you look pretty different. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's, that happens to a car. You know, they, it looks pretty good. You see it every day. You drive it every day. But it's aging just like we are. And that's why the, uh, the care and maintenance is so important and potentially restoration as well. Right, right. Wow. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. What would you buy for $100,000 out of the Porsche portfolio? Gosh, you know, this is an interesting question. Um, I might take some of that money and do some more restoration work on my already existing 964 Turbo. Because I, <laughs> I do have plans. So I just finished the engine, uh, but I do want to go back in and do the uh, suspension system, the braking system. I want to go in and, and restore all that as well. So I, I don't know. I might take some of that money for that, but if you made me buy a car, I think I would go back and even though the 993 is very close to the 964, it's different enough that um, I think I would go after one of those again because I really regret uh, the one that I let go. You know, I guess I should ask this question. What color is your 964? It is Grand Prix white. Oh, both, okay. Nice. Yeah, both of the cars, the one that you mentioned earlier, the 993 that I had, and this one, both of the 911s I've been fortunate to own in my lifetime were Grand Prix white. And uh, that's rather fitting because, I, as you know, the Porsche Cup cars, all the motorsports cars come out of motorsport in white, and then they usually get wrapped or painted back in the day to whatever the racing livery would be. And so being a, being a retail car guy and a racer slash down the middle, I think that uh, that speaks to me on both levels. Well, now it's time to have a little bit of fun again with my little game. I gave you a heads up on this. Mm -hmm. so <laughs> It's a little game I, ca I call Keep, Cash, or Crush. Uh -oh. So I pick out three cars for you. And you have to tell me which one you want to keep, which one you want to cash in, and which one you want to send to the crusher. And the harder it is on you, the the better of a job I've done. <laughs> okay, this, this is going to be tough, I can tell. Yeah, I, I try to make it tough. Okay, so your first car is a 2015 Porsche 918, today's Halo car. Your next car is the car I gave you in our Learn From Others podcast is Canapa's 959. So basically it's a 959 that's been totally redone, made modern, 758 horsepower, whatever it is. Totally redone, ready to go. Okay. And the third car is Walter's Wolf 935, the only quote-unquote street legal 935. Wow. So which one would you keep, which one would you cash in, and which one would you crush? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't answer that. That is too. Um, 
I mean, okay, so I can I could probably do two of those questions, but I can't do the crush <laughs> one. I mean, I can't do the crush one. That's that's impossible. Oh my gosh, how could you do that? Well, I think you know this is tough because I think the um, the Street Nine Thirty Five is is really cool. I I think that. Um, Hmm. Okay, so I would have to go with the. Um, this is probably going to surprise some people. Oh gosh, I would I would keep the um, I would keep the nine eighteen because even though it's relatively recent, everything right. everything has a way of coming back around with Porsche as far as classic cars are concerned. And let's face it, there's only nine hundred eighteen in the world. I forget the the exact number that came to the United States. It's it's. Um, you know, less less than half that by a good number, and um, that that time will come around on that. And and those of who are listening that remember the roller coaster ride with the um, the Carrera GT, where they they came out, they went down for a little bit, and then they went back up to where they were new, and then they shot back up in value. Now, um, that's all that's all talking about, of course, from a money standpoint. I mm. I don't I just think from a heritage standpoint, when you look at, at the direction that things are going with electric mobility and hybrids, the 918 really stands as the first performance hybrid sports car. Um, I think that that car will get its time in the future, and it's, it's gonna, you're going to want to have that in your collection. So for me, I would, have to keep, I would have to keep that car. And then I just can't, between the next one, the Casher Crush, um, gosh, both of, both of the uh, choices for Casher Crush, uh, <laughs> I mean, the next, or I should say, the next two choices um, are, are probably good for the um, the cash option. But uh, I, as someone who works where we restore cars uh, and to keep our goal in life is to keep them on the road for enjoying, I could never crush anything. So, <laughs> am I going to be the first person that's going to like not answer your question? <laughs> yes, but I love all the dead silence. That that's uh, priceless. So I do like that. You know what? I almost gave you a third car. I originally was going to go with. For our listeners, you can listen to the Learn From Others podcast to hear the backstory on this. Was your original Fiero? Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Could you crush that one? Oh, uh, I mean, if you now between these cars here, I mean, it's a, the only history that that car has is is with me, and so I think it would be less missed in the world <laughs> than uh, any of these three Porsches that you pointed out. So I mean. Uh, if if that's if that's how we get out of this, then uh, okay. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to make it. Th- Actually, I didn't mean to make it hard on you. So yeah, I, you I can't did, apologize. You did. I did. I did. So, well, cool. Well, how can our listeners learn more about you and the work you're doing at Porsche? Well, I appreciate that, Greg. The uh, if you log on to PorscheUSA.com/classic, you'll find a lot of the work that's going on within the Porsche Classic division. There's a lot to come. So you'll see that updated. There's some fun pages in there. If you scroll to the bottom, a lot of uploads of historical documents. So if you if you love the original color books, or you're curious about uh, the tire fitments from the modern tires onto the classic cars, all that information is in PorscheUSA.com/classic. So that's where I would uh, like to direct the listeners who are interested. On a personal standpoint, I am on LinkedIn as well as Instagram at Ray.Schaefer, S-H-A-F-F-E-R. You can see your Fiero on your Instagram channel there it every is. once in a while. There it is. Is that the, one, is that the one we're crushing? Are we talking about the No, one? no, no. We'll, we'll do your original. Your original is probably crushed already. It anyways. probably already is. So yeah, that's right. We're probably okay on that. Not your 13,000-mile original 
one you have currently. So only the second. Well, cool. <laughs> yeah, second owner. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Ray. You're welcome, Greg. Thank you for the opportunity. It's fun to talk with you, despite the difficulty of your your popular game. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Ray. You're welcome, Greg. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.